What's up, Redeem Church? Thank you so much for joining us for Redeem Online again this weekend. I hope you're doing wonderful. And it's a new year, and so we are starting a new sermon series. And we are going to be focusing on this new sermon series over the next four weeks around worship. And when I use the word worship, I want you to think more holistically than maybe you think when I first said the word worship. Maybe when you, I said worship, you thought through like straight fire, weekend experience, raising your hands, getting all the feels in a church service, or maybe you're thinking about like, maybe you still commute or you don't commute anymore, but maybe you think about throwing on Air One or K-Love and you're driving and the favorite worship song comes on and you're singing and praising in your car and the car next to you is like, I don't even know what that person's on, but man, that is weird and you are just going for it. And maybe you think about just all that like time where you just got the feels, you got your hands raised and you're ready to go and worship. But I want to look, us to look at what does it mean to be a church that worships first and foremost. And when I talk about worship, I'm talking 24-7, 365, the practice of expressing praise and thanksgiving and adoration and devotion to God and God only every aspect of our lives. And so over the next four weeks, we are going to be looking at how worship is relational, how worship is transformational, how worship is missional, it's part of our mission, and also how it is so important for our spiritual formation. And that's what I'm going to be focusing on today. I'm going to talk about how worship is so important to our spiritual formation and how God set it up for us as we grow in maturity as believers. And so this is a year, and I've said it before, that I believe that God is calling us as Redeemed Church to refresh and renew and re-engage our prayer life and our worship life to be spirit-led and connecting our lives or connecting our innermost being with the God of the universe. And so that's my heart for us this year. And as we continue to build this church and we continue to become people who surrender their entire life to Jesus Christ and then call our friends and our family and our coworkers and our neighbors to that same surrendered living, everything we do flows out of prayer and worship. Now, I, I know many of you are on here and you're like, man, I have been a believer all my life. I have been maybe decades or years of just practicing, uh, practicing my faith and being a believer. And, and I want you to hear me say this, that this, is, this sermon series is going to be important for you. And why is it important? Because I believe that in this new era of the church, God is reawakening the believers to be in worship and to be led by worshiping the creator of the universe and everything will flow out of that. And, and some of you on here, you might be like, man, worship is like the least, my least favorite part of church. Maybe you're like, if you're a new believer or maybe you're just like, man, it is an awkward thing that I have to stand and, 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 and people are raising their hands and they're moving around and they're really getting into it, but I don't understand it. But I want you to say that if you listen to this, this sermon, that I hope that you will think through how, how you are called to holistic, a holistic lifestyle of worship. And I promise if you do, it will, it will really begin to awaken your, wor your worship in your heart and you will be forever changed through, I hope, this sermon series. All in all, if someone walked into our church, I want people to say, whoa, these are authentic Jesus people who have completely surrendered their life to Jesus. 
And I think that the best way for us to get there is to talk about what does it mean to be worshipful people. How do we have a worship lifestyle? That's you and that's me. That's all of us coming together and praising God with all that we are in every aspect of our life. And I want to begin with one of these uh, topics that's probably one of the most important aspects of your life, but maybe it's one of the most under the radar aspects of our lives. And that is attention. Attention. I want to talk about attention. There is a crisis going on right now in the world and what I call unintentional attention. This is how many of us go through our lives and and we pay no attention to our actual attention. We don't actually pay attention to our attention and there's danger in that. You know, attention is something that we have a limited amount of and many of us don't really take inventory on where our attention is going. And here's the truth. Everyone and everything out in the world is vying for your attention. But we have limited amounts of it. But everyone wants some of it. And so, you know, the, the, it's really important for us to talk about attention. You know, I did a sermon series this summer called Content Overload. If you haven't watched that or you need a refresher, I encourage you to go on there because it shares so much of how we're getting overloaded by noise and content. And attention is something that we have very limited of. You know, we think of of time and energy and money, and we think that's what we're limited on, but attention is one of those on the list. Our attention is getting spread so thin, and we as believers have to take note of that. You know, I have a challenge for you. If you wanna go crazy, when you get get up one morning and try to spend that day for a full 24 hours, counting how many ads and messages and noise that you are exposed to. You know, I I was looking at this, and according to Forbes, it's estimated that people, like the average person, it depends on how much much uh, media you consume, but you experience about 4,000 ads a day. That's crazy. You know, in the Telegraph in the UK, it said that in today's world, the average person during their time awake It's 63 minutes of quiet. That's all they experience is is an hour of quiet out of all that time that we are awake. And and I even question that stat in some ways, especially me, as there seems like there's something going on in my life at all time. And what's amazing is that we're actually getting trained as as humans to have less attention. You know, in, in the 1930s, the average shot length, so the average cut, of a, in a film, so a shot length, so when you're watching one scene before it jumps to the next, was 12 seconds long. Today, it's about 2.5 seconds. So every two seconds, you're getting exposed and you're, uh, to a new scene and your attention is going to the next thing. It's an incredible thing. We have to wake up and we have to say that there is a demand on my attention and many of us are completely complicit. We don't even think about our, we don't even think about our attention. You know, look, oftentimes whenever a pastor is doing a sermon, we're preaching to ourselves. This message is as much for me. You know, if you know me, focus and attention is not my forte. If you come to the church building, you will see that sitting still is not something that naturally comes easy to me. 
When I was a kid, I was tested for ADHD and I was on the scale and the, the test was this amazing test where you were put into a room as a kid and I wanna say for an hour, but it may have been shorter, but it may have been longer, but it felt like an hour. You sat with a computer screen in front of you and it was a black screen and every time an X came up on the black screen, you had to hit the space bar. It was, I, I to this day will say that everyone will fail that test, but I could not keep my attention on a black screen for an hour. There was no way that I was going to do that. And so we all struggle for attention, whether you have ADD or not, we all struggle with attention nowadays. And what I'm arguing is that this world is pulling us even farther from the things that are important in our lives. And so you may be saying, now what does this have to do with worship? And I want to look biblically at what attention looks like and worship looks like in the Bible. And today we're going to dig, dig into the Word and we're going to look at Matthew 4. Matthew 4, Jesus has just been baptized by John the Baptist. The Spirit descends on Jesus. And the next thing we see is that the, we find the Spirit is leading Jesus to the wilderness. He's probably leading him most likely to the Judean desert. And to set the stage, many historians believe that you go out to this desert and there's a particular spot and, and there's this wall of rock that's about 1,200 feet above this plain desert. And this is where this scene of the temptation of Jesus is going to take place. And it says that the Spirit led him out there. And notice this distinction. The Spirit is doing the leading. The Spirit does the leading in our lives. And the devil in this story is simply allowed to test him. And he doesn't lead him. This is an important distinction for us as well. That, that, that the, the devil, that temptation is this basic human experience that all of us experience. But remember that we have the power and are led by the Spirit when we are getting tempted. And now the interesting thing about this story is that the 40 days of Jesus' experience out in the wilderness, it mirrors the 40 years of wilderness wandering that the Israelites had with Moses. If you remember, the wandering is right after Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt, across the Red Sea. Everyone is happy. Everyone's loving it. And then the story takes this sharp turn. They trek their way through the desert to the way of Mount Sion, uh, Sinai, and then they are hungry and thirsty. And they start criticizing God and they start criticizing Moses. And actually, they say that they long for the day of being back in captivity. And throughout the story, the Israelites demand bread when they're hungry. They doubted the Lord's presence in the whole time, and they despaired for his hope. And what we're going to see is that it's mirrored here. And what we'll find is that Jesus's 40 days of being tempted, it follows the same pattern as the Israelites in the disobedience in the desert. But Jesus is going to show what faithfulness looks like in the face of these hard times. And so we look, we can, we can often point out as, as, as we look at the Israelites as just a human, we can look at the Israelites and we can say, after all those amazing things that God did, I can't even believe that they would complain about these things and that they would have such bad attitudes. It's hard for us to understand that, but it's just part of our human condition. We do it all the time. If you ever want to experience it, just go hang out with my nine and seven year old 
If you are raising kids, you know this phenomenon, but all of these things are part of our human nature. Not much has changed. We can still complain even after God does amazing things in our lives. Many of us find ourselves worried about if the Lord will provide. We can relate to that, right? Demanding of the Lord for what we desire or what we want or what we need or, or just trusting Him within that process. Many times we find ourselves, even after years of experience, after experience of the Lord moving and God showing up, we find ourselves doubting the Lord in His presence. You know, many times we have the despair and we find we feel that God wasn't going to help us eat or, or and we start chasing after worldly things even though we know that the Lord shows up and provides everything that we need and so we simply lose focus and tr- and we lose trust in the Lord. Many of us have been there. And so as we look at Jesus's time in the wilderness in Matthew 4, we see three three temptations that the devil's going to throw at him and we'll look significantly at the last one and this idea of worship within this story. So Matthew 4, 1 through 7. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Then here's where I want to focus on verse 8 through 10. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil in this moment seems to have the ability to show an extensive scene that is not limited, but but shows Jesus all the kingdoms of this world. And here he depicts himself, himself as the king with all the holdings of all the kingdoms in the world. And what does he ask? He asks for Jesus to bow down and worship him. Now, bowing down and falling down, you know, you know this. It, it's this symbol, right? It was, it was a symbol in the in the ancient Near East. It's a common posture of respect and submission to a person. And so he's asking Jesus to take the act of honoring him as an earthly king in exchange. Earthly things will be given to him. Satan is promising something that he can't give, and he's saying, Jesus, all I need is your attention. I need your attention because you see false gods and idols don't have power until we give them our attention. God is God no matter what. That's the amazing thing about God. But false gods, idols, they don't have power until we give them our attention. God is the God of the universe. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning of in the end. No matter if an individual gives him attention or not, it doesn't change God. But for Satan... 
He only has power if, he, if Jesus kneels down and worship him, worships him. And so he needs this attention. If we give him that attention, that's what he desires. And Jesus says, away from me, Satan. And then he references Deuteronomy 6, 13. Jesus says we are to worship the Lord God and serve him only. So let's look at this. And when we look at this, think about the command that Jesus gives that we are to worship the Lord and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6 gives us insights into how we then are to live as a lifestyle of worship. It gives, us a blue, it gives us a blueprint for why we are to worship and how we are to set our hearts to worship God. So let's start with Deuteronomy 6.10. Now this, of course, is written to a specific people at a specific time for a specific purpose. And it's important for us to always read the Bible understanding that. But I think there are truths that we can get from this passage. So let's start at 6.10 through 11. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not, you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. When we look at this passage, we see that we worship to remember God's promises. When we worship, we put all of our hope in God and His promises. We worship because God does the work. It says it right here. God is on the move and we enjoy the things that we don't deserve. Here we see that God says that what we're, he, the Israelites are going to see this huge land with flourishing cities that they don't have to build with all kinds of good things, with wells that they don't have to dig, with vineyards and olive grove, groves that they don't even need to do the planting on. It's amazing. And that is the message to the Israelites. And he's saying, you worship me because you need to remember my promises. And, and you know, this was the promise to the Israelites. But what do we see in Hebrews 10? It reminds us of what our faith and our hope and why we worship God and, and how when we worship, it helps us remember that we too live under God's promises. It says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with all the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful." Our promise is the salvation through the blood of Jesus. And when we worship, we draw near to God. And, we, and when we do it with a sincere heart, we now walk into that full assurance to remember that we serve a God who is always faithful. And so we put our faith in Him and our salvation is in Jesus. And so we worship to remember that promise that God is always faithful and that He promises good things. We also worship to not forget. Verse 12 in Deuteronomy 6, it says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Many of us come from deep stuff. We've been hurt. We've hurt people. We have sinned. 
We have stuff that we don't even like to talk about, stuff that we don't even want to deal with. We have deep stuff. But when we worship, we do it with a heart that helps us not forget that the bondage that God has brought us out of is in the past. And we don't forget that God is the one that brought us out of that bondage, just like he did the Israelites out of Egypt. And in Deuteronomy, the danger of forgetting the past miracles is paramount to, Mo to Moses. And he writes it. This is a main, main concern for Moses. This is a risk for all of us as humans. We can quickly forget the mercies of God and what God has done for you and for me. And the major risk is that forgetfulness naturally leads to a vacuum of leading to idolatry. When we, when, we, when we forget what the Lord has done, ultimately, you'll see it over and over with the Israelites, but we can go to idolatry. We can start looking to the world instead of to God, who is our hope if we forget these things. And forgetting, forgetting can lead our attention to things of this world. You know, I have a condition that I have to take medicine for, and it's nothing serious, but it's just something that when I don't do, you, you notice it. And so one of the things that is that every so often I'll take this medicine for a couple months and then everything will kind of clear it up and then I'll be like, oh, I don't need that medicine anymore. I'm, I'm good to go. But, but when, if you stop taking that medicine, what happens for me? Like I get all the symptoms again, right? And it all comes back. And I begin to believe something else was, was curing me, but it wasn't. And that's how we can be sometimes. Sometimes we can say, okay, God brought me out of that, but now I'm good to go. And then we fall into the same patterns and we forget that the medicine, which is God who brought us out of it, we can forget that we need that same medicine. We need God. We need the hope of the world to continue to, to walk in the promises that he gave us. And if not, we can find ourselves slipping back into bad habits and patterns. And worship keeps us away from those bad patterns. Now, we also find that worship aligns our heart to God. Verse, six, uh, verse 13, Deuteronomy 6, 13, it says, Fear the Lord your God, serve Him only, and take your oaths in His name. When we worship, we align our hearts to God. When we live a life of worship, we remember that God is God and we serve Him only. That is ultimately our call as a human, is that God is God, but we serve and worship Him only. You know, this is the verse of what, that Jesus is referencing in Matthew 4, when He says, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. He is referencing Deuteronomy 6, 13. We worship the Lord our God and serve Him only. And what Moses is saying here when it says to take oaths in His name, this was that people take an oath of loyalty. You know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but this is a total commitment on God. All our attention, all in, nothing else matters lifestyle. And that's what the Lord, I think, is calling us to, church. He is calling us in this new era of church. He says, enough with the funny business, enough with the lukewarm faith. I want all in, all attention, all commitment, nothing else matters lifestyle, that we love, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. 
And I know it doesn't matter if you're comfortable with that or not. That's what the Lord is calling us to. You know, remember in Matthew 4, Satan is tempting Jesus with this same thing. The world wants it all too. The Lord, the world wants our attention, but the Lord is saying, worship me only and serve me only. So we're faced with this choice. But it's so important because worship aligns our heart. And when we worship God and serve, it reminds us that we serve God only. And so we worship to align our hearts to the God of the universe when when the world is trying to get our attention. And we also worship because there is a risk to giving our attention and loyalty to other gods. Verse uh, Deuteronomy 6, 14 through 15, it says, Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God. And his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Again, other gods and idols and things that people worship, they only have power once you give it attention. This command is central in everything that we do and what God is all about. We are called to be exclusively loyal to God. All other gods and idols are strictly forbidden. God is a jealous God, but we live in a world that is calling for your attention. Everything, and this is a risk for us, everything and everyone is calling for your attention. But when we worship, it helps us recenter ourselves in a world of distraction. You know, I was thinking about this. What are some idols that we can pay attention to? And and idols are much closer than we think. You know, our identities can be an idol. You know, we can find ourselves abandoning who we are in Christ and focusing instead on social media following or our position at work or, or our giftings or how people think about us or see us. It's a huge thing, especially for these next generations. And when we, where we put our identities can become a place that pulls our attention away from God. You know, money and things can totally become an idol. You don't have to be rich or poor for these things to become an idol. Rather, when we pursue money and things, it becomes our guiding force. Money is a tool, but when we put our hope our focus, our devotion, uh, solely to that, we move away from what God intended us to live. You know, physical appearance can totally be a thing. We put our attention and focus on what makes us look better or younger, and we can literally worship our appearance or like the Israelites get grumpy about our appearances when they don't quite look right. You know, the the last one that I was thinking of is entertainment and comfort. This has become a huge idol for us, especially when everything is at our fingertips. This is huge right now. In many ways, we have become obsessed with being entertained and have an all-out pursuit for a life of comfort. We try to never be uncomfortable, but that's not the life that God's called for us. We will devote as much attention to these two things as anything else. But that falls short, so short, of the life that God intended for us. If we put our attention on these idols, these things that are out there, away from just worshiping the Lord our God and serving Him only, 
our life falls short of the great plan and the great design that God had for our lives. But worship centers us back. Jesus tells us that this is what we are to do. Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Worship resets and sets our attention on things that matter. It stops the noise and it reminds us of God's promises and what He did. It helps us never forget that he, uh, that our first love is God. And it aligns our heart and it keeps us per- from pursuing and giving attention to things that simply do not matter. But the devil will be speaking to us. And Satan will be saying, look at all the worldly things. It can all be yours if you just bow down and give your attention and your devotion over to me. But when we get into the Word, when we find time to pray, when we don't just come to worship at a church service, but we prepare our hearts and we are ready to be on fire worshiping and praising the the God of the universe, we get a complete realignment. And that's what the Lord is asking of us, is a complete realignment of worship to renew and refresh our faith so that there is straight fire coming out of Redeemed Church. And I am so excited about that. So as we go on this journey as a church, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for what you have done. Lord, we are so thankful for your promises. Lord, we are so thankful and we never forget that you are the God of the universe. So align our hearts through worship and prayer this year in 2022, like never before, to be a church on fire one that is completely surrendered over to you and we call and one that calls our friends and our family and our coworkers and our neighbors to that same lifestyle. Lord, let us be the crazy ones, the ones that are in our cars worshiping and praising the, the God of the universe and let it be so attractive to people that our innermost being is connected to God that they want the same thing because everyone, if they just put their faith in Jesus Christ, can have that same experience. In a world that's marked with depression and anxiety and worry and fear, Lord, let us be a church that simply worships and praises your name and let the, let our whole cities come and say, wow, what is happening there? Lord, give us a heart for worship and prayer like never before. We love you with all that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all, we love you and we'll see you next week.